About this time every year, uh, our attention turns to the solemn anniversary of 9-11. It's a moment when we all take time to reflect on those who gave their lives that day. It seems weird for those of us who remember it, what we promised ourselves we would do. Those who paid the ultimate sacrifice in the years to come. Those who went to war. How are we treating them? Defending our liberties in places like uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. And now here we are, 18 years later, we find ourselves seemingly in a state of permanent war. We're warned that the Islamic State is poised to make a comeback. We watch as the crescent of Iranian influence extends its long shadow. And in Afghanistan, our leaders are now negotiating the terms of peace with the Taliban, which I thought we had wiped out at one point. Well, I want to tell you about a new film that is out, ties all of this together. It's called Mosul. It is the story of the last battle of the Iraq war, documenting the 2016-2017 fight against ISIS in Iraq's second largest city. It's directed actually by a CIA officer, Danielle Gabrielle. Mosul is the name of this film. It's much more than a war story. It is a journey that will take you up the Tigris River right into the heart of darkness of the ISIS caliphate, revealing an apocalyptic battle against two unyielding enemies, the violent Islamic extremism and the sectarian mistrust and hatred that will remain long after all of the politicians declare victory. It's available now on iTunes or Amazon Vimeo. Just visit www.mosul-film.com. You know, at some point in our lives, most of us hopefully learn the danger of acting like, what, I'm fine, I don't have any problems. If you don't learn that early, and if you add politics into that lack of humility or self-reflection, wow, you have a dangerous cocktail. Today's guest has undergone quite a transformation and he had a huge slap in the face that woke him up. One of the greatest lessons he learned is that if you act like you don't have any problems and you use that attitude to further your own political ideas, you're probably in for a reckoning. He made his career calling people sexist, then hashtag me too related accusations popped up against him in an article on a feminist blog. The blowback was really intense. People took the joy he used to take in attacking other people, attacking him. He had burned bridges. Everybody had turned against him. This is on the left. He had been banished from his own group, even though those accusations weren't true. He no longer had a tribe. That's when he went... Wait a minute, maybe I've been part of the problem here. In the aftermath, he's gotten back into comedy. Uh, last year, he started a podcast that has done really well. His journey has had more bumps and twists uh, than just what I'm telling you. It is hardly the start of it. I have a feeling Jamie Kilstein and I are going to be sitting down more than once because I've got a lot of questions. He is fascinating next on Studio 19. When I invite somebody at the studio, uh, and I learn this in the opposite way, 
from uh, Katie Couric. Mm. Uh, when she first left the Today Show, she went to Yahoo, and she was uh, uh, doing uh, some sort of a podcast. And she approached me, she's like, please. And I'm like, I'm not doing any interviews, and I know what all these interviews are like. No, thank you. Yeah. She's like, no, 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 it won't be that way. I promise. I really, I need a big get for the podcast. And I said, no, because you're going to sandbag me. And she's like, no, I won't. I promise you. I promise you. Please, I need this favor. So I did it. And she sandbagged. No, yeah. I didn't see Just it. so horrible. Just <laughs> such a horrible human being. Uh, and when I invite somebody onto my show, yeah. it's important that if I'm inviting you into my house, yeah. I'm not going to sandbag you. Right. And so when we met a few minutes ago in the hallway, uh, I said, you know, hey, don't, don't worry. You know, you, you're welcome here and there's no problem. And you said... Something really strange. You said, no, I'm more excited about doing this than I've been for a long time. I yeah. was, Why? I didn't get nervous until you said, don't be nervous. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. Do I look nervous? Because <laughs> I was like super stoked. Um, because, I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I have dad issues and we used to fight. Um, <laughs> two, I think that I'm starting to... There's been, it's been really hard not to be calculated with my career. And what I mean by that is when I was sort of disowned from the far left and I went from being rich to having no money, like no money, um, there's a path for that. And the path for that is to go right wing and to go and not like this show but to do the opposite of what I was. Um, the people who wanted to talk to me kind of had ulterior motives. Sure. Um, that still happens every once in a while. Like I have really cool fans from the left and the right. Um, every once in a while, you'll get the person who's like, hey man, like a uh, big fan of yours. And you're like, oh, great, thanks. And they're like, we got to get these whores. And you're like, nope, nope. Like you're not on my <laughs> team. Know. I don't want this. Um, and you know, I, I had offered, I remember I got an offer to, to kind of write one of those books, um, you know, about leaving the left. And yeah. I know, for, and, and by the way, when this happened, I was living on a couch with my cat at my friend's house and literally holding my cat, like crying, afraid I wouldn't be able to like afford to keep my cat. And if I wrote that book, you know, why I left the left and the right is right, I would get a check for like a billion dollars mm -hmm. and I'd be set. And I don't think you'd be on this show. I don't think I'd be on this show and I wouldn't be happy and it would read as disingenuous yeah. and it would crash and burn. I would become a different version of who I was before. Right. And so I went, I mean, I was depressed and suicidal and I got out of that. Um, and I got off social media and I started teaching jujitsu uh, for like a year uh, in Los Angeles. And for the first time in my life, and I thought I would never go back to stand up, never go back to podcasting. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I was helping people where I was teaching kids and I was teaching adults who were afraid to fight how to fight. And I was watching them spar and, and I realized that all of this time I was screaming and yelling online wasn't anything like I've joked about this before, but I was literally the person where if like a girlfriend was like, Jamie, your mom's on the phone. I'd be like, tell her I can't talk. I'm tweeting about feminism. You know, like I was ignoring <laughs> people in my life to be self-righteous online. And so I really think it was because of that year 
of helping people. And by the way, I didn't know anyone's politics, like jujitsu, MMA guys. A lot of them are like apolitical, like kind of conservative, definitely more like uh, alpha than I'm used to being around. And I actually found out what it was like to talk to people who I disagree with and to help people in real life. So to your question, um, I will be called a thousand percent. I will be called alt-right for doing this show. Um, people are called all right for doing Rogan's show right. and he's very liberal. Yeah. Um, I will be called alt right is an alternative to the right. Yeah. It's not the right. No, They're, they, they don't believe in the bill of rights. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I will be, I will be called all right. I'll be called a sellout. Uh, people will say, oh, he's going down this path where, you know, he was, uh, once he, he lost financial freedom, uh, or yeah, well, yeah. once he lost his financial way on the left, he's going to the right. I'm like, I wish I did that because I would have a lot more money than I have right now. <laughs> uh, it is not sexy to pitch a podcast, uh, to like my agent in the time of Trump about nuance and moderation and having conversations with people. who no, disagree I know. With you. If I became the right wing version of Jamie and was just screaming about woke culture all day on Twitter, um, I would be making a lot of money. Um, if I went full right wing and ratted out all the people on the left, uh, which there's plenty to say, uh, <laughs> I would be making a lot of money, but I'm desperately trying to do the right thing. So the reason I'm excited about doing this, even though I will be called whatever I will be called, is even as a liberal, what do we accomplish by just screaming at each other and by just being in our own echo chambers? I'm legitimately, I'm becoming a, a lot more moderate on certain issues, so I'm, I think, intellectually curious to talk to conservatives who I think are intelligent and learn things that I don't know. Uh, I think I'm going shooting with someone who works here after, uh, after this. <laughs> have you ever uh, shot before? No, of course not. Oh, I've we got to. I'm coming. Oh, if you, 100% I got to go. Yeah, go. I've just been screaming and yelling uh, about guns. And I'm like, I've never shot a gun um, before. Oh, and it's I'm, fun. And yeah. And I'm like, if I'm going to, even if I'm going to, by the way, criticize it, then I should have done it. And I should so, know, you know what I'm doing. The, this is the thing that uh, I think conservatives are starting to say now in their own circles. And uh, and I'm just so sick and tired of the gun debate. Yeah. If you don't know what a semi-automatic is, if yeah. you don't know, there, of course, everything's a weapon of war. Yeah. A knife is a weapon of war. Sure. If you don't know what these things do and how they work, and I mean... Even just a basic understanding. I can't have a conversation well, with you. Well, and I want to have, I feel like there are probably, if I were a gun owner, if I were an NRA member, and I saw all these mass shootings, I, more than anybody, would want regulation, right? Or, or, or would want changes or, or, or to talk about solutions. Correct. Because you're getting called all these horrible things. Yes. Like you're yes. like happy about school shootings, which the, has got to be a nightmare. NRA members. I'm not talking about the leadership. I'm talking about NRA members yes. that I know. They are the most law and order kind of people because they get so pissed off yes. that they get the bad name. So and th they're really responsible. This was my hypothesis on the podcast, on my podcast, and... I'm glad I'm right where I just, you know, it was like me as like an MMA fighter. Whenever people would be like, oh, it's a blood sport. I'm like, oh, you've never come to a gym because it's the nicest people in the world who would never get into a bar fight, who have no ego because they're getting their ass kicked every day. Um, they're wonderful people who would step in and help someone off the street as opposed to these liberals that would like run in the other direction and then, mm -hmm. you know, tweet about it. Um, and I, I, so I just naturally assumed that 
gun owners would be the same way. I would be livid. It's like when you criticize America and people go, well, then get out. You're not American. It's like, no, 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 no. I'll criticize America because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it, it's why we're, we're the most triggered by our family, right? Because we love our family. Um, I think it's important to criticize the things that you love. Um, but I think but that... It, it's important, however, like you get triggered with your family. Yeah. I get triggered with my family. You come after my family. Wait a minute. And oh. I'm, I'm right in your face. hundred percent. Even though if I would stop and go, I'd, I might say, yeah, you know, you got a point on that. Yeah. One. Okay. But we don't, we jump to defend. Yeah. And yeah. So we You're go, not allowed to hate my family. Only I can, I can hate, hate my, my family. family. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's what's happened is we get to these, we get to these cartoons to where, Conservatives are flag waving, uh, you know, F-16, you know, flying firework show. Yep. And that's what America is. Yep. It's the old red, white and blue. That's <laughs> yep. what it is. Yep. Yep. And and then the left, it just hates America. Yep. They're communists. Yep. Well, there are those people over here like I'm going to blow them out of the water right now. Yep. And there are those people who genuinely hate America. But then there's people like, um, what's her name? Tulsi Gabbard. Who's, yeah. She's going to serve. Yeah. She, she's taking two weeks off. Now, I may disagree with her, but she doesn't hate America. No. And what's so funny is she's actually called out uh, Kamala Harris and called out right. a lot of the candidates on um, some of their more conservative policies. And the left instead that man, the day after Twitter on the debates when Tulsi was trending, um, I was I was thrilled to watch her call out uh, a lot of the Democrats and all these mainstream liberals were like, she's an Assad apologist. Like, this has got to be Russian bots who are making her trending. And it's like, Jesus, can't we take some criticism without saying this like Russian bots? Mm-hmm. Um, Hillary Clinton, no matter like the rest of stuff, I'm I don't really listen to. But regardless, it's like. She was the worst she candidate was a ever. Candidate. Horrible. She was a terrible candidate. And to be like, it was Russia. It's, you know, we talk about AA and recovery. It's like, if you are not going to take responsibility for your actions, you are never going to learn. You are going to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. We should be thrilled to have someone like Tulsi who has served, who will call out candidates on their she BS. She is a 1995 or even 2000 version of a Democrat. Yeah. That is like the all-star yeah she would have been the all-star oh yeah even maybe even 10 years ago she is now because she doesn't hate certain things because she won't crucify everything and everybody yeah she won't be accepted by that core group that is needed for the primary you know what i mean yeah and uh, one more thing i wanted to say about when we were talking about guns um you said something that made me think of people have gotten very defensive, um, understandably because of those caricatures, right? Um, every right wing person is being called a Nazi, which they're not. Every left wing person is being called a stone socialist, which like kind of, um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like I get it. Um, but, uh, but when I think because people get so defensive online, they're always being attacked. A lot of times they don't, defend things that in their heart they feel like they should. So what I mean by that is um, my friend Jason, who works here, 
um, he posted something really wonderful after the El Paso shooting mm -hmm. about how we need to come together and we need to fix this. Um, I saw Republicans using the words white supremacy, which I would have never assumed would happen. And I saw uh, most every Republican I followed talked about something with guns has to change. And this dude is gun owner, go shooting, et cetera. And I retweeted that. And I said, this is what we got to do. I'm saying the same thing as someone from the left. We got to come together and we got to figure this out without screaming at each other. And a bunch of my conservative followers, a bunch of his conservative followers were saying some of the most heartfelt things. Um, you know, too many kids have died. Stuff that I literally and naively would assume that the right wouldn't care about, that they just wanted their guns. They just wanted their bunker of guns for when, you know, I literally just assumed that every uh, buddy was like, they're gonna come for my guns. Like they all think they're like Steven Seagal from the movies, but in real life, they're like Steven Seagal in real life, you know, just like very <laughs> sadly, like come and get it. Um, and by the way, the government would take your guns because they have tanks. Uh, and and all these conservatives wait, were being incredible. Wait, I, I wanna just correct that before yeah. I forget. Al-Qaeda, ISIS, everybody else, they've done a pretty good job going against the United States of America. Yeah. I don't accept because that is what the Second Amendment was for. You know, it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't like they were like, what sport should we put into the Second Amendment? <laughs> right, right, well, right. How about hunting? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah, that's right, not right. what it was. No, like it, I, it was a fear of an out-of-control government. And everybody says, mm. oh, you're going to fight the, the, with the tanks? Well, look at the guys who were living in the cave. Right. They kind of did it. Right. And you, I, I don't ever want to get there, but I don't understand the left when they say, Donald Trump is a Nazi. We're going to be a fascist country. Quick, let's give him our guns. That's interesting. I've never heard, I've never heard it put that way. I don't That's get really, that. Well, so, but like, the... That's but, what the Second Amendment is for. But it's really interesting because... When I believe it was under Reagan, when a lot of gun um, uh, legislation was happening yes. was when the Black Panthers were showing up uh, armed and, you know, Killer Mike, who's this amazing uh, rapper and activist, and he pisses off liberals a lot um, from Run the Jewels. He talks about he's like, I don't want the black communities giving up their guns because no. of what's happening. Um, the Klan. That was their deal. Right. They went from right. house to house for your protection. Martin Luther King asked for a concealed carry permit. His sheriff said, for your own safety, sir, I don't think so. Oh. Come on. Oof. Come on. Oh. Well, that, I want to continue this conversation <laughs> while we are at the range, uh, or whatever you guys call it, um, <laughs> at, at the gun place. At the shooting place. Uh, I'm, so, I'm going to have to like just wear one of my jujitsu shirts just to be like, <laughs> I'm still a man when you see how scared I am with this kickback. Uh, but what I was going to say is all the conservatives were saying really heartfelt things. And a, a bunch, I don't want to say all of them, but a bunch of liberals who commented were like, oh, you're falling for it. You're falling into their trap, right? And that was so disheartening to me because I'm like, this is what you claim you want. Here is a gun owner. Here is a conservative. Here is a family man saying, I want to do something. A Republican saying, I want to do something. And if every time a Republican says, I want to help, or if every time a Democrat shows up to a conservative cause and says, I want to help, we just get shunned away, then nothing's going to happen. So what I was going to say before is I think that people are so defensive and because if the left is going to call every Republican a Nazi and then Donald Trump does something really heinous, 
and, and a conservative wants to tweet about it, they're going to think about it. They're going to like be like, why would I do this if I'm just going to get called a Nazi anyway? You know, so like I called I called every major press person I know, Chuck Todd, all of them. Yeah. After Trump won. Yeah. And I said, do not make my mistake. I made the mistake. Do not go on Katie Couric so, show. <laughs> yeah, no, I made the mistake of of not seeing what I was saying was actually dividing and and tearing apart. I thought I had certitude. Yep. I thought that I was right. Been there. Well, in some some things I was right. In other things I wasn't. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, the way I said it. And the way it was taken out of context and then put into, you know, tweets, it divided. And I said, don't. You're going to be tempted to say, everybody over there is a monster. Right. Don't yeah. do it. None of them wanted to hear that advice mm. because there's no money. Well, that's what I was going to say. So they screwed up. So I don't totally buy the narrative about the left-wing media. As someone who was left of left, I was always furious when they said MSNBC is like the right-wing Fox because MSNBC is still pretty moderate. They're still owned <laughs> by G. There's like 15 hours of Joe Scarborough on that show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, where I was just like, you're just not going to compare it. Uh, Bill Donahue was fired when the Iraq war mm. was uh, incredibly popular and yeah, he was yeah. criticizing it. Um, that wouldn't have happened on Fox in the opposite way. Um, but... When they say it, it's the liberal media or all fake news, it's you hit it where they're profit driven. They covered Trump more than they covered Bernie Sanders because they thought it was hilarious and Trump would never win. And it was very clickbaity. And then when they realized they screwed up and now the nation is furious, including a lot of conservatives that Trump won. Now they're attacking Trump, attacking Trump, attacking Trump. And Which it's is only making it worse. So much worse because so much it's worse. making people, like I said, with social media, just hunker down and be like, we're going to defend our guy no matter what. And if I got up every day and I had if the media was reversed, I mean, I think we can both agree that the media is lopsided. Oh, they're the worst. Yeah. Okay. So, um, if if I had control of the media, if Fox and you know Rush Limbaugh yeah. were the dominant voices in America, yeah. and there were clones of them all around, and you were just in this little camp, sure, and we were like, "You're a bunch of commies," yeah, and we hate you, and you're the problem. You would be so defensive, yeah, so defensive. You would run to anyone who would stand by your side. Well, and so this happened. Danger. This happened to me where when when I was going down that road financially um, of do I go right wing? You know, do I go like full conservative? And like I had nights on that couch where I was like, I'm going to watch Ben Shapiro videos. I'm like, no, I'm still liberal uh, <laughs> where I tried. I, I really did try. Um, it, it wasn't it really wasn't money. A lot of it was conservatives were just being nice to me and I lost all my friends and I got divorced and I felt like a pariah and I was in Los Angeles. I don't live there anymore. I was in Los Angeles and I felt like if I walked into anywhere, someone would hear some rumor about me or think something or everyone hated me and I was going crazy. So when it was conservatives who were just being nice 
Hammer were like, hey man, what happened to you it was like weird. Um, and like conservative women were like reaching out to me and like stuff like that. And a lot of, uh, eventually liberals did too. Um, but none of my old friends reached out to see if I was okay. Um, wow, how did that feel? A whore, I mean, it was, that was the worst part. Cause like I've been, I've been financially screwed before. I dropped out of high school to start stand up. I lived in my car for two years, just trying to get gigs. Um, I, when I wasn't getting gigs over here, I would fly overseas cause they liked political stuff more. Um, that's what like Hicks had to do like back in the day. And I would fly over there and I'd make a bunch of money, come back. I played the Sydney opera house with it was me and Christopher Hitchens. Mm. And then I got back to New York the next week and couldn't get booked at like some crappy comedy club in New York. Um, so like I've hustled and I've struggled and um, I was like, if I have to go back there, cool. If I have to live in a studio apartment forever and teach kids jujitsu, like at least like I'll respect myself. Fine. But that is what, that's what hurt a lot. I had, um, um, I remember when I first started to make it, a guy who was my idol growing yeah. up just an idol and i i just this guy meant everything to me noam chomsky <laughs> and uh he called me out of the blue one day yeah uh because he wanted to offer me congratulations on all my success and i was like i was like a eight-year-old kid all of a sudden i was just like oh hello how, how are you and i, I just was so because he was just the yeah, guy course, growing yeah. up and I realized about two minutes in the phone call, he was just trying to get money from me. Ugh. And I was just destroyed. And when you, when you are, when you're either on the up or the down, the, 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 the games that are played by the people you thought yeah. were better than that. Yeah. I, uh, that happened a little bit on my way up. I had people who would, who were, who would just bully me at clubs or like talk trash online. The second I would get something, I would get on Conan or I would get, I would just get an email with no like self-awareness at all. Just straight up like, Hey, who books that? And I'm like, you know, you're terrible to me, right? Like you're, you're a bad person. Why are you doing this? Um, not even opening it up with like, Hey, I know this is bananas that I'm sending you this. Uh, but then when I thought about it and in a weird way, it, it kind of made it easier for me because when I thought about the people who didn't reach out to me now, look, if I was accused of like something heinous or whatever, um, okay, I get it. But I mean, I like publicly have talked about like suicide a lot and depression and addiction. And then I disappear for a year. And so to have no one on the left reach out, the only people that reached out to Friends. me, Friends. Oh yeah. The only people that reached out to me were comics and I had spent years I was on that part of the left where we would trash comics if they said something offensive, if they said whatever. Mm -hmm. And suddenly these comics that I abandoned, I abandoned being a comedian for being a political lefty. Um, they were the ones who reached out. Rogan reached out. Doug Stanhope reached out. Like people who they were just like, hey, I hope you're not dead. I hope you're okay. And it reminded me that comics, while they're demonized and scrutinized so much nowadays, um, they're misfits and they're sweet and they know what it's like to feel broken. Right. So and they reached out. The ones who remember Lenny Bruce. Yes. Yeah. But the ones who like you have gone awry and like, 
you know what? I'm going to virtue signal. Right. Those guys are really dangerous because do, do they not well, know? Yeah. So I'll tell you. So my trajectory was kind of interesting where I started off. So I idolized Lenny Bruce, Bill Hicks, George Carlin, mm. uh, uh, Pryor. And uh, kind of some good idols. None of them would uh, be working today. They would all none like they would be in jail. Uh, and and what's, what's crazy? No, they wouldn't be in jail. They'd be in this cyber jail. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know uh, what I mean. Yeah. we've always been afraid of the government. It's the mob. That's what's. It's just like well, well what the even like and, and I, I I should not bring this up but it's a great example where like louis ck let's not talk about if what he did there are prison sentences for people right and, and the left talks about that a lot the left talks about forgiveness the left talks about prison reform um rightfully i think i mm -hmm. think that uh our, our prison system is also very broken but you question the motive if you really believe that if you can't forgive where they never want him to work it like he gets yeah. up at a comedy club and they want that place shut down. And it's like, do you want this guy with daughters just to, he screwed up. He apologized. Uh, again, I don't want to get into. Sarah what, Silverman. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And Sarah Silverman, by the way, who also just got fired this week. Right. That's what her. I mean. Oh, I thought you meant Sarah Silverman talked about how she was friends with Louis and she. No, Sarah Silverman, who did a deal in blackface, then comes back a couple of years later and says, wow. That was really stupid. But the thing in blackface yeah. was mocking people who were racist. Of course. Then she says, I, would, I was mocking the racist thing, but I shouldn't have done it in blackface. And now, years later, this doesn't make any sense well, at all. And that's the best comedy. And that's the comedy we used to idolize. For me, I can say that I believed most of the things that I talked about. Um, when I was on the radical left, the, the one thing that I always felt gross was going after comedians because I know that comedy comes from pain. So whenever mm -hmm. someone's like, uh, whenever I'm doing an interview and they're like, uh, so were you the class clown? I was like, are you out of your mind? Like the class clown like called me gay and beat the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. Like I was not the class clown. Like a lot of the comics were the nerdy, quiet, shy ones who would just mm -hmm. write in notebooks. And my first memory of when laughter affected me was when, uh, uh, something terrible would happen to one of my parents. Um, there would be a relapse. There would be a cop showing up at our door. There would be uh, an ambulance, whatever. And me and my brothers would be upstairs and we were terrified and we didn't know what to do. And the second someone made a joke, and it would always be offensive because we have a family member being carted away in an ambulance, um, everyone would start laughing. And once you could laugh, it took the power away from this really terrifying issue and then you could start to brainstorm and be like okay what do we do it would almost like snap you out of a trance and so whenever i talked about offensive things or whenever i talked about edgier things it was never to offend people purposefully it was like let's dig really deep and see how far we can go and then let's talk about it and i think that's where comedy can be the most powerful now there are comedians usually newer comedians who will see edgy comics who will see someone like richard pryor who is confessing to this horrible domestic situation he was in and this drug addiction and as a new comic you go oh so i just talk about like hitting women and doing smoking crack and it's like mm -hmm. no 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 like he would do it with vulnerability with Correct. whatever um 
And a lot of comedians, they would rather hear a groan than silence because silence is the worst thing. So they'll just throw out like some rape joke or some whatever. And that stuff, not I'm not even offended. Just as a comic, I don't like that. But I felt like I had a phase where I was doing very well with stand-up. It was like the year I was almost famous where I did Conan and uh, The Green Room and Robin Williams took me under his wing and I had managers and agents and then it kind of plateaued and as my comedy sort of plateaued, because again, it was still like pretty edgy, um, I was definitely the guy that a lot of industry would be like, hey, we love what you do. And you're like, great, do you want to work with me? And they're like, oh, Jesus, I would get fired. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Like, that was like every meeting I had. Um, but this podcast started to get more popular. And on the left, I was hilarious because we're not really known for uh, our humor. Um, and I was suddenly like the cool kid. I was suddenly this high school dropout that was on MSNBC panels. And um, I had really intelligent, smart fans who were using academic jargon I never heard before. So I felt smart and I felt accepted and all this stuff. And so the show just sort of started going less comedy more in that direction. And so I I did become that, but that's not the comic I am. That's not who I started as. Um, it was just, I was getting approval from those people. And a lot of times, I mean, I think you've been there, like when you're getting approval and adulation and you suddenly feel like you're someone and you're doing something, uh, it's powerful. It's really powerful. I think fame and fortune are battery acid to the soul. Yeah. I didn't I even mean, get the fortune part. That's the worst part about it. <laughs> I wasn't even like, oh man, I'm a sellout in my pool. I was still like <laughs> in Brooklyn. <laughs> But it's, it's because the minute, the minute you want it, yeah. the minute is the minute you're done. You're headed in the wrong direction. Right. Wrong yeah, direction. And that's what was happening to me. It's funny. It's, you think you're above so much. And then you look back and you're like, God, I was that cliche. I was that cliche who was in a, a marriage that wasn't working. So I just bought all this stuff and I said all these things because I was trying to project this image. And it, 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 you really, it's like quicksand. Like you get stuck in it um, and you don't even really realize that you're just making it worse and worse. Did you, when you left Fox, was there, because I feel like, when you do rock bottom or when you do take a turn, you can go in two directions. You can get really bitter. And I talk to people who have been in similar situations to me and they're bitter. And I'm not, I would have died. I wouldn't have made it. Um, if I was like my ex-wife or these girls, like, ugh, like it's just gross to think about. Maybe it would have helped me in some ways, I don't care. Um, and then, in a weird way, I think rock bottom is what can subvert that battery acid test in the sense that once you've hit that or once you've made a drastic change, suddenly you do things for the right reasons. And now I'm not trying to be rich. I'm not trying to be famous. I'm like, I'm going to do what I do and hopefully I can make a living. <laughs> so when, so when uh, I hit rock bottom in the 90s okay. um, and... Very similar story to yours. Okay. Hit the hit the the bottom. Took me about four years to dig myself out um, and uh, turn things around. And then my second bottom yeah. was a completely different. Interesting. <laughs> I need um, to pay attention to this. Yeah. It was. Uh, you, 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 I don't think you're going to have a problem with it. 
it was all right. I'm not, I'm going to be all I wanted back, yeah. you know, cause you lose everything. Only thing I wanted back, not money, not fame, nothing. All I wanted was my integrity Yeah, because I had blown my integrity. Got it. And so it's 95 and uh, that's all I want. I want to be able to look at somebody and say, no, I mean this and have them believe me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I worked so hard for that and really, really tried to do the right thing. Then a little arrogance, because you have success, arrogance creep, cre- uh, creeps in. I was doing comedy on Fox, right. deconstructing Fox and the, the cable news network yeah. by making, I was mocking a cable news show yeah. on a cable news show. Um, and, uh, and I knew I have, to, I have to perform, and I'm a decent performer. Yeah. I have to perform to be able to get people to watch an hour on Woodrow Wilson. Right. So how can I make that really entertaining? Right. You know, oh, I can throw a frog in a blender and I can do this and I can pour gasoline over somebody and they'll, right. they'll watch it thinking that people will, especially people in media, would be smart enough to go, wait, 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 take all that crap away. Sure, I hate him because he's this performer. But what he said here, here, and here, is there any truth there? Right. Because if that's true, that's a problem. Yeah. I thought people in the media would be more, uh, would be less disingenuous, and they would be curious, uh, which was a problem. Um, and at the end, I was, you know, sitting in my, my Bloomberg building apartment on the 56th floor looking at Central Park. Yeah. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I want this really bad. Run for your life. Yeah. And so I was afraid of fame and fortune because I had a little bit of it early in my life. Yeah. And once you want it, it doesn't matter. Your, Your good intent is gone. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I've caught myself a couple times. I've caught myself... Where, and you see this online a lot. So there's, there's the right, there's the left, and then there's the middle that I kind of align with. Like, you know, the sort of like Jordan Peterson, IDW, Mm -hmm. Dave Rubin, whatever. And I've had phases where I'm like, well, I'm just going to start retweeting all these like, moderate dudes and I'm going to start like attacking who they're attacking. And then I'm like, Oh my, I'm literally a moderate version of progressive Jamie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I've also caught myself if I do a right wing show and I got a bunch of followers and people are like, Hey, disagree with you, but you know, great job on the show or whatever. Um, let's say I want to retweet something that I really like that AOC said, I'll be like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Um, I've talked to friends of mine. It's hard. It's really hard. And especially when, you know, like, I'm in love. I moved out of LA. Like I never thought I was going to have kids. Like we want to have a family. And right now, um, you know, the money that I had, uh, would have been able to do that. And I have to start again. And you see people kind of going up who are just screaming and yelling on Twitter. And I know, um, even now, even I haven't started doing it. Um, I'm desperately trying not to, but the times I've gotten the most like Patreon people from my podcast have been when I, and I haven't done this on purpose, 
But like when that liberal left mm -hmm. because he's like, you talked about Clinton mm -hmm. uh, with Epstein. And I'm like, of course I'm going to. He left. And so a bunch of people went, screw that guy. And they became members. And when I saw that, there's that part of you that goes, oh, if I make like a bigger deal about this oh. on Twitter, I'll get more people. Every, we were just having this conversation. My dad, my, my second bottom was even with good intentions, you just screwed everything up. Okay. This is where I'm like, and yeah. so I'm like, oh crap. So I've spent the last five or six years, eight years going, okay, so wait, how do you navigate? And every day, yeah. every single day, you know, I've got hundreds of people relying on me keeping a job going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. all this closes down. Right. Um, and, uh, every day I, I'm smart. I know how to make it work. Right. And you have this choice and you're like, oh, oh man, I, I could do that. But it just takes, and very few people, you know, I came out so strongly against Donald Trump. And yeah. I became, I think, bigoted and hateful because I, I wasn't listening for people's pain. Right. When your friend does something just crazy and you're like, wait. Hey, man. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay, if they're your friend, you say to them, what the hell's happening in your life? Yes. Okay. I didn't do that to my audience. Right. I just said, well, are you out of your you mind? Idiots. Right. You idiots. Right. So I made the same mistake again. And I almost did that with this new show. Like I could feel where every day I was like going after like the woke people. That just happened to be the story I was talking about. And I'm like, this isn't it. Oh. This isn't what I want. It, but it, the society doesn't reward you for that. You know, if you and I, we could even, and I, unfortunately, I know these people, you and I, we're at different ends. So, all right, when the cameras go on, we're going to talk about this. Let's just battle oh, it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be huge. Oh, we could do stadium tours. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Huge. Pendulette and I, yeah. uh, we're good friends. Yeah, yeah. And um, he, I was just with him in Vegas, and he said, we have got to tour. He said, I don't care if anybody comes. He said, I just love our back and forth dialogue. And I said, well, I'd like to tour too, but uh, I gotta, I'm busy making money, right. <laughs> you know, so uh, would anyone come? And we both stood there and went, I'm not, I'm not sure, because we're both able to disagree and go, now, wait a minute. Right. Explain that to me. But I do think that people... God, I hope so, or else I'm doomed. Because I'm like, <laughs> you have a bunch of staff. I'm like, I have like a one-bedroom apartment, a girlfriend, and a cat, and I'm like just <laughs> teetering right now, like looking at those Patreon numbers every day. Where I, I do think that when people ask me comedy advice, uh, or they say they want to start a podcast, I go, it's the easiest advice in the world, but it's hard to take. Where it's like, you just have to be genuine. If you can be talking like this and get up on stage and be talking the same way and not trying to be someone else. Amen. You will be successful. And it takes years. You people, it's so weird with comedy. You could have the most respected intellectual whoever. And that first open mic, they are talking like Andrew Dice Clay. Michelle Obama could do an open mic and she'd be like, so I'm nailing my wife. And you'd be like, what, Michelle, what is happening? <laughs> like, it is so bizarre um, what happens with comedy. But that's what I would do. I would say for podcasting, if Joe Rogan pitched his podcast to like an agent and was like, yeah, some days we'll have Hunters, maybe Alex Jones, we'll have some UFC guys. Then we'll have like Tulsi Gabbard. Like, people would be like, 
that that's so frantic. That's all over the place. You have to have like a theme and you have to have this. But he was genuine to himself. You're being genuine to yourself. You've built this. I'm being genuine to myself. I have this podcast. It is so much harder to, to start for me, what I noticed, because I know if I was starting crap on Twitter, we used to make so much money on this old podcast with no advertising, just because I was every day just like riling the troops, riling the troops. Um, with that said, the audience we on this new podcast I have, the audience now might even be more conservative. Um, at least the people who give money are. Um, I'm watching liberals and conservatives talk on our Patreon page about someone was really depressed and a bunch of people like jumped in and was like, Hey, try this. Cause we talk about mental health on the podcast too, like besides politics. And, and those people are going to stick around. And I would, even from a business point of view, um, I would much rather 10,000 listeners that are with me for life and are good people and can hear me and be like, Hey, I disagreed with that, but I'm not going to like be a baby and walk off with my $5 a mm -hmm. month or whatever. Um, I would rather that than, I mean, dude, I had like a rabid fan base before and could sell out clubs and maybe 15 of them listen to my new show. I mean, when they got their orders that like Jamie's out, uh, I was gone. I had a guy on Facebook the day before all of like all hell broke loose was like, Hey, I just want you to know because of you and your stand up, like you saved my life next day. It was Jamie's this monster. Uh, he's a bad liberal, whatever. He didn't even delete that comment. You know how you can like add a comment on Facebook. He added to his original comment, like, screw you. I hope you don't, <laughs> whatever. Um, and it was just like gone. They were, I mean, these were kids who, you know, listen to the show that like I helped with like suicide or I helped with whatever. Um, and like, Jesus, I'm glad they're okay. But that was a crazy thing just to see like everything good that I like tried to do. They're like, that doesn't count anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Can we go back? Because I haven't gotten to a single question I wanted to ask. Oh, you yeah, that's just, uh, my bad. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh -uh. No, it's mine, too. I find you fascinating. Um, let me go back in case somebody doesn't know who you are and what your trial is. Now that we've yeah. talked about the back end, uh, the worst interview uh, ever. No, no, it's like Let artsy. It's <laughs> like uh, it's like a David Lynch movie. It's like jazz. <laughs> uh, let's start with um, uh, where where should we start? Should we start two thousand eight? Okay. Um, where is that? I'm really bad with years. Uh, 2008. Obama had just been elected. Uh, okay. Okay. I was never really good at business in the sense that when I was doing very political material um, to start, it was right after 9-11. People didn't really want that. Then when Obama got elected, I really liked Obama. Um, but, and, and this all like, pat myself on the back a little bit. Um, one of the things I talk about the most on the podcast now is that people should have like principles over partisanship or mm -hmm. like values over teams, whatever. And when Obama started doing stuff that I disagreed when Bush did it, I called Obama out. Um, I called Obama out on Conan for drones and uh, did not go over. I mean, the audience, like the set looked fine, but they got like a lot of hate mail. I've not been back on Conan. Um, hmm. so I like finally had this opportunity and now 
Uh, I did it again. Now that Trump is president and every comedian is making a ton of money off of going after Trump. I'm like, don't you think we should all have conversations? Like, I've always been on, like, <laughs> the wrong side. Yeah. Um, That's good. I think so. That's good. God, Lenny so. Bruce. Right. I have a picture of him getting arrested yeah. um, that uh, my friend gave me. Um, and so 2000. 2000- I have a book for you to read. You got to read uh, The Pendulum. Oh, yeah. I haven't um, read it. It's great. And it talks about how society swings back and forth. And. People like you, people yeah. like me, are always right out of step. Yeah. Um, either a little ahead or a little behind. Um, but those are the ones that make the difference. Yeah. And that's what so you're not you're not gonna be loved. No, and I <laughs> and I told myself that, and I've had people say that to me with what I'm doing right now. I, I think, and we'll get into it, there's still such shame behind what happened to me that it's not like before, like under Bush, I could feel like, you know, oh, I'm like Carlin. I'm like, you know, sticking it to the man yeah, and yeah. going after the powerful. But when people will say stuff like, you know, oh, I'm just going on Glenn Beck show because like the left doesn't like me anymore. It's like, I know that's not true, but also that's what I would have said to me. And it still makes me be like, like, am I? You know, now if I was going on right wing shows, I'm like, we got to build a wall. Then it's like, all right, I'm a sellout, like right. whatever. Um, That's good. I don't think we ask ourselves enough. Yeah. Am I? That's what when I left Fox. That was the number one question. Yeah. A, a year before, two years before I was at CNN, I was hammering. Oh my Bush. God, I remember that. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, yeah. hammering. But I was calling for Bush's impeachment. Right, 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 right. And I was the sec or the third most admired man in the country. You know, that, that poll was that, that year. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. A year later, half the country hates <laughs> me. Yeah, sure. And so I get to the end of that and I'm like, OK, I know I'm not the guy that is the most admired. I'm not tied with the Pope and Nelson Mandela. Sure. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? But I'm not this guy either. Right. And I spent a long time, and I think you still do, and I think it's healthy to some degree to go, gosh, a lot of people are saying this about me. Not, not necessarily am I, which is where I started, but yeah. what is it I'm doing that causes them to feel that way? Yeah. Is there something I can do differently that will negate that or what is it that they're uh, they're seeing or their pain is showing yeah you know what i mean yeah and because you're built on pain yeah you're well, built on pain. that's comedy right. comedy is just like a hill of pain yeah but then it, it, it's tricky it's tricky when you're in survival mode too because i've always been like a hustler from and i mean that in, 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 in a, a good, good way, way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um you know from again dropping out of high school to start stand-up I was like, I know what I want to do. I'm not good at many things, but the things I'm good at, I use that addict brain and I go hard. So mm-hmm. I'm 17. I realize I want to do stand up instead of being like, oh, when I graduate, I'll whatever. I was like, nope. Like I'm leaving high school. I, I literally can't focus on anything. I'm going to take the train into New York every day, do open mics. Uh, then I start to get booked a little bit, not getting booked enough. Don't want to have a day job. Going to live out of my car and just drive back and forth to coffee houses and just get paid enough to make it to the next town. Like, and that I'm, I'm great with doing that. And so what I really have to keep in check now is... I mean, that, that, that financial drop is a scary thing. And when literally I was like holding my cat crying, being like, can I afford this cat? Um, you, I have to make sure my decisions, I have to triple check everything, you know? I mean, I sent my girlfriend uh, like 
talking points from today just to be like, is this genuine? Is this, you know, um, for this? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, not like planned talking points, but, um, you know, like the, 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 the advertising or the, 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 the teaser, um, for this, I was like, I just, I, I, I need to make sure that I'm not going to, you want to be genuine. Yeah. And I, you don't want to desperately court people Correct. just because it might get you an extra hundred bucks a month. You know, know what? It really bothers me. We've got to stay on track, but what really bothers me is I'll go someplace for instance, I was on with Samantha B. Okay. Okay. And I did this big thing. It blew up. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Blew up everywhere. I was a hero suddenly on the left and hated on the right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I was like, wait, no, I haven't changed. I've changed the way I talk to people because I think if we change the way we talk to people, we can find common ground. Oh, I see. Okay? And, um, and we can live like that. Um, and it bothered me, and I checked in the interview all the time of myself, don't say anything that you're just, you're, don't lean too far to appeal, speak how you really feel. Yeah. And that's really hard, but that's what people are starving for. I know, and it's like, I know how to write jokes. If I wanted to write jokes tearing apart the left right now, for a little while, I'd probably be like on the top of the right wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would just be, I, I could sure. sell out comedy clubs again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and instead what I'm doing is I'm, I told my agent, I was like, I don't think I should headline for a while. I want to go back to opening for people, which means I'm paying for, or I'm driving, a, I'm driving on Sunday, I'm driving five and a half hours to do a gig for a hundred bucks. I haven't done that since I was 22 years old. Wow. But I don't have an audience anymore. And I want to get on stage um, and I want people to listen to my podcast. And so that's what I'm doing on Sunday. I land, I, I go home from here on Friday. I have one day, I'm going to watch my friends fight. And then, uh, and then I'm driving to like Palm Desert to do a bar gig. Like these are the shows I wow. used to do when I was 22. Um, good. I mean, I hate, I, I hate this because my father said this to me when I was, but he's like, you're going to be humbled and it's going to be so good. I kind of feel that way. It's going to be good. I kind of feel like leaving Los Angeles, which seems like a silly thing to do now that I'm getting back into comedy, um, is going to get me on stage for the right reasons again. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just preaching to the choir or being like, what does this audience want to, you know, I went to, uh, I had some great shows in LA at like the comedy store where my friends were running stuff. And you know, the comedy store is run by like edgy comics. Like it's Bill Burr, it's Joe Rogan, it's those guys. Um, but all of the sort of like woke comedy rooms and stuff, my friend was going to introduce me to a booker of one. And I went in there and it was so interesting to me because club comics a lot of times get made fun of, um, you know, for being generic or whatever. Every time I played comedy clubs, it was an incredibly diverse audience, black, Latino, working class, whatever. When you would go to these like woke rooms where they're just doing the pandery um, left wing Mm -hmm. jokes, it was all like white hipsters who could afford to see a comedy show at like Tuesday at 10 because they don't work the next day. And I was like, I'm not even talking like when I was on the left, I wasn't even talking to the people I wanted to be talking to. You know, we would go drinking uh with like a bunch of writers for the nation and it was like all white people in park slope mm-hmm. uh and, and i was like oh my god i'm I'm literally not even getting to regular people and then you meet regular people and you realize that there's a lot of gray and a lot of them are like kind of conservative on this kind of liberal on this and you can bring people together by being like hey we can both be 
um, you know, like uh, if we're talking about torture, for example, instead of me assuming like a right wing person, like you just want to torture people and a right wing person assuming that I'm just like naive and want to like, you know, sing songs with a terrorist, mm -hmm. we can go, well, what produces the information we need? And let's look at that, right? Like, I don't care the reasons. Let's just look at, you know, will this get us intel? And if not torturing him proves, if statistics show that that gets us more uh, valid intelligence, we do that. And if torture does. Then and I would think that also you would have to include in there because, uh, you know, I, I'm for prison reform. I'm, I'm not an execution guy. Yeah, same. And everybody would think that I would be. And I'm not for torture. And, and, right. and the, biggest, the biggest shame uh, on the torture thing is we say we don't do it, but we'll ghost plane you to oh, yeah. Saudi Arabia where yep. they'll torture you for fun. Yeah, 100%. You know, that's like, that's so immoral. Yeah. So um, the I, moral thing has to go in there too. But like, I would have never guessed that about you in 2008. See, I'll bring it back to the question. Uh, mm -hmm. I would have never, never guessed that. You know, and I'm like, look, I don't care if you want to get rid of the death penalty because you think it's too expensive or because you think it's immoral. Like, if we agree on that, let's just agree on that. Um, you know, we prison reform, uh, not torturing people. That That isn't just because, you know, I'm just like, we're better than that. And I'm delicate and I don't want to think mm -hmm. about like sad things. It's also because like, well, that could lead to extremism. That does lead to extremism. Those Guantanamo pictures will lead to extremists. Um, and then what the left does is the left won't criticize like Islam at all because they don't want to be seen as, as Islamophobic. And so you have one side that's ignoring part of it. And then you have another side that's ignoring part of it. Well, and, they, they won't set look, look. Islam is not a problem. Not at all. Islamicists yeah. are. Not good. <laughs> not good. Right. That's the problem. And yes. we, we don't have a, there is no vehicle that is popular yeah. yet that will say that difference. Yeah. And if you don't understand that difference before you join the conversation, right. understand that difference. Right, right. So speaking of terrorism, my stand-up comedy career, uh, <laughs> 2008. So yeah, I think that's the year... I think things were going well then. I think that's probably around when I met Robin. I was starting to get on TV. Um, and like I said, things kind of flatlined. Because um, I also played into, you know, I would go overseas and every interview or every write-up or review was comparing me to Bill Hicks and George Carlin. And mm -hmm. Bill Hicks and George Carlin was like middle fingers. They would go hard. So, like, I kind of played into that. And mm -hmm. I was, like, drinking more. And I was, you know, I mean, the thing with comedy is a lot of times the more screwed up you are, the more revered. Mm -hmm. I think that was another reason escaping and going into MMA and jiu-jitsu was so healthy for me because it was the first time where people, like, read a self-help book or like talked positively about themselves <laughs> or were sober just because they were training, not because they were alcoholics or degenerates. And uh, I didn't have a lot of those role models in comedy. And because I have an addictive personality and a desperate need to be liked, you know, I mean, when I got back into comedy last year, I immediately started drinking again. 
I at one point was like, do I have to be depressed again? Like all this positive work I did on myself mm -hmm. was kind of gone because comics are like, you know, the screw up uh, clowns. And so then what happened was uh, I kind of flatlined with stand up and got just, into radio it turned it or yes, podcasting it just turned. got more and more political. Mm -hmm. And because I was touring less because I wasn't getting booked, you know, originally our show, it was called it wasn't, Citizen Radio no, before that it was called. Oh, interesting. Drunken politics. Right. Yeah. Which shows so no one knows that. Right. Like I, I, how I, do I, I know? That? I guess it's simply. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's called uh, what I was struck by is. It's drunken politics and then citizen radio. Wow, that's such a micro. Yeah, that right. That describes that exactly describes the trajectory. The, yes. Where it was like the reason the, the show was successful in the beginning, I believe, was at the time you either had political shows that were just preachy or you had comedy shows that I was always the guy that a lot of places I would go, I was, I was either too dirty or edgy or funny for the political people. And I was too political for the comedy people. So I had this manager at the time who I think we just got rejected for like a CNN pitch. He was like, why don't you start a podcast? I don't know. Everyone's doing them. And we were like, all right. And just did it for us was like, yeah, we can just mm -hmm. be edgy and offensive and liberal. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a need for that. There were a lot of people who wanted that. And what would happen was wherever I did my stand-up tour, our numbers would just shoot up. So it was all these comedy fans. So I would go to Australia and suddenly our Australian numbers were like through the roof. But then when I stopped getting booked, uh, it was less comedy people finding us and more people finding us because of a, a Ralph Nader interview or a Noam Chomsky interview or whatever. Um, and then that audience because it was less comedy people, they would be like, that offended me. And me being like a white guy and self-hating and a dropout, so kind of like a chip, not a chip on my shoulder, but a soft spot for if I feel like I'm being done. I will always assume I'm wrong is essentially it. Uh, I would just kind of apologize and be like, oh, I guess I am part of the problem. And um, it just start, started being more political and, and less funny. And that's kind of when the... I want to talk to you about this more, just this segment of your life more. Yeah. Cause I, I think I can re really, really relate to yeah. it in many ways. Um, uh, but you weren't just, you weren't mamby pamby on this stuff. I mean, I, I saw the Joe Rogan, what was it? The Joe Rogan delusion. Oh, the bad one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. Man, I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, Joe, I thought, was being really reasonable, and, and I didn't really relate to you at all. But that's who you were right before the flame. Yeah, well, a lot of that is comes from fear and defensiveness. Certitude. And so, yeah, and certitude. So what happened was um, I had done Rogan's show a couple times, and it was great. Uh, great. It was where I got, like, a large base of my fans. A comedian makes a, a Daniel Tosh, a very successful comedian. I automatically don't like them because they're successful. Um, makes the headline that I get, that the left gets, is Daniel Tosh tells woman and audience it would be funny if she gets raped. That's not a funny thing to say. That's not a joke. There's no punchline. There's no rules of three. That's just telling a lady you hope yeah. she gets raped, right. which sounds horrible. Now, uh, you know, I went back on Rogan's recently and we like rehashed everything. Yeah, 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 it yeah. was great. What he told me, and I didn't know this, 
the whole the way the way it went down was Daniel Tosh shows up at this club. He goes, "What do you want me to talk about?" Audience members yell something. Some douchebag yells rape. And he goes, oh, right, because rape's so funny. What can we talk about? The shame, the stigmas, the makes like a pretty right. subversive, great rape joke. Right. Then a woman in the audience goes, rape's never funny, heckles him. He says that like dumb line, whatever. But there was more to the story. <laughs> so I go on Rogan's show. I have... No idea Joe's mad at me. I don't know that we have any, I didn't think we had any disagreements. So I'm like, even though I'm in this left wing world, I'm very, I'm not expecting this. Uh, not only that, but I get stoned before I go on. This is a little fun fact, not a lot of people know. I get stoned before I go on and I was sober for years. I think I was sober for like three years at this point. But I'm like, you gotta get stoned if you're doing Joe Rogan show. Again, because I have no idea there's gonna be any confrontation. That clip of me on Rogan's show should be used as an anti-drug commercial where it should be <laughs> me being like, this will be fun smoking weed. And then cuts to 10 minutes later with Joe standing up going, would you rather be raped or murdered? And then it cuts back to me with my eyes wide and bloodshot. And then it just says, don't do drugs. Uh, it was <laughs> so scary. But in that moment, it was I had for the first time in my life, I had money for the first time in my life. I was in what I thought was a stable relationship, someone who's not going to leave me. Um, and for the first time in my life, I had hardcore fans. And when this was happening in the very beginning, I just thought like, look, I'm not suddenly like a pro rape guy or a pro rape joke guy. I, I didn't think that that argument was going to escalate. So when I was like, you know, uh, kind of telling him like the rape statistics or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, we ended this big argument. I'm stoned. I'm stuttering. Suddenly my phone's blowing up because all of his fans are tweeting me like, oh, you oh. cuck. Like, I hope you get raped. My Twitter literally got hacked and someone just wrote rape all over it. Oh my, God. my career has never been easy. Um, <laughs> and, and it was just a nightmare. So then the next day on our show was sort of like this like moment where I had to choose. I was like, well, comedy, I screwed it up. Like, I lost it. Um, all of my friends, Rogan, all these people I really looked up to, they don't like me anymore. Because I, you know, at the time, really did think what I was saying was right. I, I wasn't like Daniel Tosh should be censored mm -hmm. or he shouldn't do comedy. I, everyone on the left was saying, you know, cancel Daniel Tosh. But I was like... I was like, look, I like comedy that goes after powerful people. I don't want someone in the audience who was raped to feel horrible. I still feel that way. You know, I wouldn't make a rape joke that's just the, to make it. That's the problem with political correctness. It appeals to all of us. I don't want to hurt somebody. No, you just feeling decent. Right. Yeah, because right. you, you but get. But then it gets into this. Uh, hey, uh, you need to live over here in this ghetto and we're going to build a wall because you yeah. think this or said this. And you're like, wait, wait. Yeah. Wait. Can you not use the word ghetto? Right. Um, yeah, but a hundred percent where it's like, again, we're digging for 10 year old tweets from Kevin Hart's mm -hmm. instead of trying to like lift up this successful black guy. And uh, he like Silverman, he had already apologized uh, for it totally before it was a scandal. Right. And then now you have the people on the other side who were like, ah, oh, political correctness. And you're like, yeah, right. Like Kevin Hart. He's like, no, why can't I say the N word? And you're like, well, that's not <laughs> right. That's, that's not... you being a racist. Right. Like that's not good either. Right. <laughs> there, there, there are, there are two sides to all of this. Um, so that next day, like I was like, I guess I got to go after Rogan because all of our fans were like, that. what? Yes. And they were paying the bills. 
And again, I didn't feel like I was selling out in my because head. You believed it. Well, I'm defending women. Yeah. I'm defending women and I'm defending myself. And I was taken back and I was hurt and I was scared. And I knew that audience wasn't going to leave. So then when you leave the show, who accuses you? Who gives you a me too? Yeah. So, um, we'll see how much I can like say about this without my goal when I've done, when I've talked about this publicly has been not to, uh, throw anybody else women. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, but I also feel like I never, I never really rightfully defended myself either. I had friends, I had a friend who spoke at the Women's March, was like a keynote speaker who called me after this happened and was like, you got to say something, you got to defend yourself. Uh, this is ridiculous. Like what you were being accused of makes my job harder going after actual creeps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, and I didn't for two reasons. Um, one, I was suicidal. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time who, uh, I'm not with anymore, but was very supportive, but she was out of town when it happened and she, uh, had a bit of a jealousy problem already. So I was like, oh, she's a hundred percent going to break up with me when she gets home. So I have no job. I have no money. People are conflating consensual one night stands and literally like tweeting me that I'm a rapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and my girlfriend's totally going to break up with me. She gets home, uh, as I've been trying to figure out how to kill myself unsuccessfully and uh, has my back. Don't know why, <laughs> but like complete, I mean, of course I know why, like, cause she knows me um, and knows I'm not that person. Um, and that's really what the only reason I didn't a hundred percent kill myself. So she also wanted me to respond. A bunch of my very famous liberal friends wanted me to respond, men and women. Um, but I didn't respond because one, I was a coward and I was like, I cannot take any more blowback. The fact that I'm alive right now and that I survived while like my ex was like going to see her family. I was like, if I respond and that triggers one more response piece or one more Jezebel thing, I was like, mentally I'm out. So I just accepted that I was never going to do comedy again. I accepted that I was, I mean, dude, I was walking around with a hoodie and sunglasses like I was accused of rape in LA. Like I didn't want to go outside. Um, To this day, when I hand over my credit card uh, and someone says my last name or they recognize me, my first thought is that they're going to think. And it's never that. They're always like wonderful and nice, but that still happens to me. Um, Okay. So the other reason I didn't say anything was... And this may sound like old Jamie or like, you know, virtual signaling, uh, feminist, whatever. But I also didn't want to be the anti me too guy because there's a lot of really good stuff. Like the Harvey Weinstein thing that happened. Um, this is the, this, this goes back to what we talked about earlier. Yes. (laughs) There is, I was very anti-Trump in some regards. I still am. I was never pro-Trump, right. but in some regards, I'm not pro-Trump. I'm pro some of his some yeah. of his policies. So yeah. Right. And we have made me too sacred. No, no, no. Due process. Due process. Because I want Weinstein to go and Epstein. I'm. I didn't cry when he was dead. No. And Weinstein, I want to go to jail if he gets away with it. That is a black mark on America. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. So, but there's a difference between that and a one night stand 
and it was consensual rape or even just a false accusation. Right. That's a huge difference. That should not be yeah. part of Me Too. And I still, and but I've seen guys who have like gotten accused of stuff just suddenly turn into this just woman hating. And I was like, I can't do that. Like I had a joke about Weinstein where I was like, uh, oh, I probably can't say this. Um, go ahead. Then. Well, I said, uh, I, I, I go, I hope Harvey Weinstein goes to jail. I hope he gets raped in jail. I go, I hope the guy who makes Harvey Weinstein suck his makes him do it for like a bit part in the prison play. Uh, and, no, you shouldn't have said that. No, but, I know. But I, I, I was very aware that I shouldn't have said it. Um, and so, yeah, very anti-Weinstein. My, my line that I say, and I agree with this, or I still stand by this, is that if you... Because you have a lot of people go, all these false accusations are, you know, it's terrible for men, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, guys, calm down. We still have it better than women, right? There are still infinitely more women who do not get justice for their sexual assaults or their rapes um, than there are men who are falsely accused. With that said, every time you falsely accuse someone or every time you conflate hookups, uh, not even drunken hookups, very sober, mm -hmm. consensual hookups with rape, you're diminishing the real. You're making it worse for women. And, yeah. and that's the, like, uh, what's his name? Smollett, right? Jussie oh, Smollett. Oh, Yeah, 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 yeah. How could anyone support? I'm willing, if, if that was true, I'm willing to stand with him. Oh, yeah. But for that not to be true? You're making it worse for everybody. For everybody who actually has had a racist encounter like that. I can tell you that a lot of the people who reached out to me first were women who were sexually assaulted. And they were like, this is insane what's happening to you. And it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. Um... But it's like, of course they would think that. Um, I mean, when Matt Damon publicly said that, hey, should we be treating Al Franken like we treat Harvey Weinstein? And the next day, Matt Damon is trending on Twitter like he suddenly was like accused of rape. Like, if we can't have the conversation, it's, it's bad for everybody. Um, but I think what's happening, I mean, where I can be sort of empathetic is, or where I try to be empathetic is, Women haven't had justice for a long time with a lot of these issues. And I think when it finally started to happen, everybody was like, here we go. This is like our time. Um, but there's going to be the pendulum is going to swing the other way. And then people and aren't going to take real stories seriously where they're going to be like, oh, is this like a Z's where it was like a date that like went wrong or like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and that's that's a scary thing for for women i yeah. think um I'm, it should be scary for all of us yeah um i'm glad the men are learning that like you know not to be creeps um oh so what happened to me i'm so the, this seems like i'm just dodging it so what happened was um so actually and people a lot of the timeline a lot of the stuff that was written just wasn't true um we knew about what was going to happen um about these girls who were upset it, it was one girl um who was upset uh, before I left the show and I was like, I was already in LA. Um, my ex and I were already separated. We were doing the show via Skype. She was still in New York. And I was like, why don't I, I'm like, I'm not having fun doing the show anyway. I moved to LA. Why don't I step down and we'll get a co-host and I'll give them a cut of like my money. Um, and I'll still help. I can produce it, whatever. And so that was the plan. So the, the uh so my like farewell episode was like this very tearful um thing where i'm like i hope i helped people whatever and 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 the 
girl was like, if he steps down, like, I won't do anything. And then the next day, she just went, like, just super hard. And essentially what it was, was I was in a marriage that wasn't working. Um, after 10 years or something, I finally caved uh, and I cheated. I had this, like, affair. Uh, I instantly think I'm, like, in love because mm -hmm. uh, it was, you know this mm -hmm. young girl and she called me hot and I was like, I've never been called hot. And, you know, and, uh, she was really cool. And, uh, she, uh, she helped us with the show. Uh, we didn't have like a staff, but she approached us to, she approached me to work for the show. Uh, we start working, she starts working for the show. Then she's like, I should come on the road. I mean, it was like, this was the part I screwed up. It was yeah. every cliche. I should have had the guts to get out of a relationship that mm -hmm. wasn't working or to keep a friendship. Um, when it clearly wasn't a, a, a relationship anymore, it was a partnership. And, and that's where I screwed up. That's the biggest mistake. That is the one thing I will own up to. And it's taken a long time. Cause again, like my girlfriend's parents had to Google me. They're the most wonderful people in the world. They live here in town. Uh, you see the word sexual predator. You see the word abuse. Um, that makes it sound like I put my hands on a woman. Mm -hmm. That makes it sound like I did something without consent. Um, that is something that still shakes me when I Google me. Um, if anyone looks up this article, please click other things you see that are positive on my Google page. Uh, it's horrible. However, and also when a lot of the stuff you're accused of isn't true, you're like, how am I supposed to learn from this? You know, if I, if I drink and crash a car, I learn I need to quit drinking. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, when I didn't even do this, like how am I supposed to become like a better person? But the thing I screwed up was that. So there's this whole affair. I keep trying to end it. I feel bad. This is the first time I'm suicidal because I'm just like, I'm a terrible person. Everyone thinks I'm in this perfect relationship. Uh, every progressive is like, all I want to do is be like you guys because we host this podcast and we're the cool progressive tattooed couple. Um, and, and of course I would screw it up. Of course, after living out of my car and finally making money and finally having a career, I would find a way to screw it up. You know, I used to joke that because my old podcast never took sponsors or because we weren't on CNN mm -hmm. and because we were independently supported and made so much money just from individual sponsors. I was like, I can never get fired. I'd have to like really screw up to lose this. And I did it. <laughs> did. Of course I did it. So I end this and I go, I would rather go back to a loveless marriage than walk around with this shame. And I end it. And man, I mean, this is the most I've said, but like looking back, like, I mean, the, the, the woman I was having the affair with, like, said while we were together, while I was trying to break it off, like, one day I'm going to write a book about this. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not famous enough for that. Uh, so whatever, it's fine. And so then years go by. And I was like, just in this partnership and this friendship marriage, and we were recording the show and the show was still popular. And I was depressed, but I kind of thought I deserved it. Um, and... Uh, then what happens is uh, my ex-wife and I, it wasn't working. We had a conversation. We almost broke up and we decide to try uh, like an open relationship, but it's a don't ask, don't tell one, which essentially means that I have to sneak around like I'm cheating. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same thing all over again. And, uh, and, and, and I wasn't allowed to do anything in New York. 
So that kind of means like I can just sleep around on the road, essentially. <laughs> and I'm also like, I'm a relationship guy. I thought I was in love with my first one night stand. I don't like sleeping around. Yeah. I don't like one night stands. Um, I'm like a dumb romantic. Uh, my friend made a joke to me the other day where he's like, man, people think like, like your, your, your dick got you in trouble, but he's like, it's your stupid heart that got mm. you in trouble. And I was like, kind of. And so this article makes it sound like I was just cheating on my wife the whole time. It doesn't mention that like we were in an open relationship and mm. trying to do this. So the second I, I go to my ex, I go, we have to say on the show that we're in an open relationship because I feel like a creep. I feel like I'm like sneaking around at shows, you know, uh, it, it's kind of hard to get a girl when they're like, are you in a relationship? And you're like, I'm in a secret open relationship. Like that sounds like you're mm -hmm. lying and you're a scumbag. And again, I was just trying to do everything like above Openly, board. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so we announced it on the show mm. and I think it'll be cool. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like the hardest things in my life I've talked about on the show. And the, the, the thing that kept me doing that show and the thing I get the most excited about when I'm doing this current show is when I can talk about my depression. You know, when Robin killed himself, we talked a lot about suicide, mm -hmm. um, talked about addiction. And so I'm like, you know what? Open relationships are another kind of new, not really understood thing. I'm sort of struggling with it. Maybe this will be something that helps people too. So we talk about it. And man, the I spent so long being like, hashtag believe all women. If a woman's, uh, if a guy says a woman is like jealous or crazy, he's like lying and being sexist and covering it up. But man, the like the week of that we announced we're in an open relationship, even though it was years since I talked to the woman I had an affair with, she goes on this like message board or something, some like feminist message board and was essentially like, who's been wronged by supposed feminist Jamie Kilstein? And out of the many women that I've slept with, found like one person that was like, he flirted with me on DM. I've never sent like, I've never sent like a naked picture. I'm like the one comedian in the world who has no like scandalous pictures out there. Um, he was on DM. And then another woman said, uh, another woman said that I, she was like, he, 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 he threatened one of my male friends. Um, what's not mentioned is she told me that guy raped her and I go, do you need me to do something about it? And she said, no. And I said, are you sure? That was it. Um, and then there was another woman who it made it sound in this, uh, Jezebel article. Like I slept with her. We didn't sleep together. Um, we didn't sleep together because before we hooked up, she said, um, she goes, Hey, just so you know, like, I don't want to like sleep with someone on the first date. And so I said, even if you change your mind, like while whatever's happening, I was like, that's the line and we're not going to. And we didn't because I'm not a creep. And she, and in this Jezebel article, so she, she said something like it was the first time I felt safe with a man or something that implied that when we were together, I was decent. Um, and then the Jezebel article goes, but weeks later, uh, he called me a road on his podcast. And then Jezebel, our media, in parentheses said Jezebel could not find this quote. Mm. And it's like, right, because I'm not talking about like slaying road on my feminist podcast <laughs> with my wife. Like that's an mm -hmm. insane thing. But even if all that's true, even if flirting while in an open relationship, having an affair, um, and even if I did, this girl's a road blah, blah, blah. That's me being a jerk. Mm -hmm. um, that's not rape. That's not abuse. That's not assault. That's, uh, 
a lot of people. Uh, it's what a lot. It's what a, it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. And that because of who I was and because of all the virtue signaling and the yelling that those accusations, there's nothing else there. You can read the article. Um, I have been treated like I was accused of like legitimate assault and everything was gone. Um, and everything is, I mean, I almost broke when my girlfriend's parents found it. Cause I'm like, it's like six years later or like six or seven years since the affair, three years since the article happened. And it's like, yeah, my Wikipedia, my, like, it still looks like I was just accused of like abuse. What's amazing is, uh, you know, the, um, the human mind, forgetfulness is a good thing. Yeah. You know, time uh, makes every th- all of our memories a little more soft. Um, and they just passed a law in uh, the EU about the right to be forgotten. Yeah. And things like this, you know, what's on my page, what's on your page, what's on somebody's page, what they did when they were 16 years old. Yeah. You know what? We change and that we have a right to have those things not be lived every single day for yeah. the rest of our lives. My, uh, my dad, who I love to death, um, you know, I told him I was doing this show and I was like, I was like, yeah, we really like agree that like a lot of our rhetoric in the past was like toxic and we want to come together and teach people to like, mm-hmm. you know, talk to each other like humans. And my dad's like, that's so great. That's so great. And then did like a Google search of you and then like wrote me back like five minutes later and was like, I don't think you should do this show because it will take the worst thing you've ever said in context or out and same with me. And you know, if I want to get rid of, if I want to clean up my Google page, I either need to start getting gigs or it was like $3,000, $5,000 like a month and like you can hire people to do it. And it's like, this is crazy. You just did a podcast on, um, Epstein. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me what your thoughts are on this. I mean, my thoughts, look, I've never been a conspiracy guy. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I, I think that's how a lot of people feel right now, yeah. where all of my reasonable friends, I, I never thought 9-11 was an inside job. I never, uh, when I saw the Epstein news, I was suddenly like, did we even land on the moon? Like suddenly <laughs> I, I became every insane uh, caricature of a conspiracy guy. And the... What's crazy to me is watching like this monster of a man is somehow bringing the right and left together where I think the one thing we all agree on, like some people think maybe it was Clinton. Some people think maybe it's Trump. But suddenly for the first time in 2019, conservatives and liberals are both like something. Yeah, but like homeboy was murdered, right? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like they're definitely. Did you see the autopsy? I saw. Oh, about the broken neck? neck. I just saw that. Okay, so it's. He he hung himself with paper sheets. Yeah, paper sheets. Yeah, broke his neck in several places. the The breaks are consistent with strangulation. They can happen when you're hanging yourself, but with a paper but sheet, not with that impact. So I just right. saw a special forces guy post about that, about how the impact is much more aligned with some with with someone who got their neck broken. Right. Also, I've been. 
uh, I've been suicidal before, and I, I couldn't even read on the internet. I couldn't even look up, like, a loop knot without being able to figure it out. And I was, like, right. crying because I'm like, I'm not even going to be able to kill myself, right? Like, let alone. So, like, I got empathy. Like, it, it is hard work right. um, to do that. Right. Uh, but it is, it's so scary. And, and it's, it's also one of those moments... It's bringing people together because everyone loves a conspiracy theory. Um, this is well, literally this is... playing out like a movie. But it's also one of those moments where I'm seeing conservatives be like, if Trump or Republicans are involved, then like, I'm distant. I'm out. Big time. I see Democrats being like, if Clinton's involved, I'm out. And it's one of those moments where it's not a liberal issue. It's not a conservative issue, but it's like a powerful person issue where it's when you see people have so much power that this guy has just been tort. Like, I don't know if he's a liberal Democrat or, or conservative. I don't care. Right. Um, but he was just so powerful and so untouchable that he was torturing and literally had like an island where he raped underage women, allegedly, probably yeah. allegedly. <laughs> um, and, and that he got away with it and that he had powerful friends on both sides of the right. aisle. It's a lot of times people can come together and realize that like, oh, it's the same people screwing over all of us. And it's not, it, to me, it's not just that he did it and got away with it. It's that he did it and then uh, got away with it to where he had special dispensation in the court system. And then yes. Yes. once he's in prison, somebody from the outside can get in and kill him. Yeah. Somebody, I mean, well, when he was, I in mean, when Jeffrey Dahmer was shivved, you're like, of course. I get that. Right. He ate if he would, right. And if he would have been shivved yeah. in general pop, you'd be like, of course. He yep. was a child rapist. Yeah. But and, and also remember but this is different. Yes. And especially because Epstein was suicidal before. So even if he wasn't this huge I mean, he should have a ton of scrutiny because of who he is, um and and, and extra surveillance, but he was also suicidal. He should have been on suicide watch. Um it is so so creepy. This whole story is so. So, creepy. did you uh, today? I read on uh, the radio uh, the verbatim text uh, with an interviewer from New York Magazine with okay. with his Russian MMA fighter bodyguard. Oh my God! Okay, yeah. So this guy. I mean, when you read it, it is total broken language. It, look, I don't know what's saying here. Oh. Okay, yeah, um, and. He's on the record in a 2015 uh, interview that was on the record but never published. Okay. Okay. So they have the transcript of what he said then. Okay. And then the reporter says, oh, well, now he's dead. I can publish this, and I want to see if I get more from him. Right. So he calls him up, and he's like, don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, you said this, this, and this. I never said. No, I never said. And then... The last probably two minutes of the interview are like, you're smarter than this. Don't, I don't have conversation like this on phone. Whoa. Be careful. What are you saying? When it's I, like, when I thought whoa. it couldn't be more like a movie, they inserted a generic <laughs> Russian, Russian MMA bodyguard. <laughs> right. uh, I, I, I will say this. I, I, I was a, a little rose-colored glasses when I was saying how this is dividing tribal like tribes um i did the first episode i did on epstein when he got arrested um i had a couple liberals write in i had one even like cancel their patreon membership because i lumped in clinton um with trump and i think and i would say to your listeners to any conservatives uh listening as well if you are so partisan where you have a 
I, I think you, I think you still have to say alleged, right? Even though he's dead, mm-hmm. alleged child rapist. Um, that if the dude on your team, if you find out that guy was friends with or knew him or knew what was happening, and you're still gonna be like, it's my guy, you know? Like this isn't like your favorite football team, and you found out like the owner has like gambling debts. Like right. we have to get to a point where when something this horrible happens. Um, if it's a Democrat or if it's a Republican, we can it's a show human, our values. Yeah, it's a human issue. Yeah. It's a human issue. And it doesn't mean, look, just because Bill Clinton was on the plane with him and he has a history of fooling around, yeah. that doesn't mean he even knew about child rape. No. You know what I mean? And there's a different thing. like very intern, different. Uh, uh, correct. Yeah. Very different thing. Same thing with, you know, people have said, well, Donald Trump had a party with him and cheerleaders. Uh, at Mar-a-Lago. Okay, were they high school cheerleaders? Because yeah. if they were high school cheerleaders, that's bad. It's a mighty big jump. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> right. So you, you don't want to condemn anyone on this, but you also, you also, if it is your guy, if it is your side, mm-hmm. if there is corruption, my side should be uh, truth justice in the American way. Well, and I'm sure we're going to get more into this in the podcast, but that's, that's one of the biggest problems now. Like we're not mourning the victims. Um, We're not mourning the women. Instead, a lot of us are rushing to how can we tie it to Clinton or how can we tie it to Trump? And we just get excited and, and play Twitter like it's a video game when it's like, yo, there were a lot of real girls who were hurt and we just get so frothing at the mouth and our heart racing where it's, can I pin it on the politician I don't like? Does this fit my anti-Trump agenda? Mm-hmm. Does this fit my anti-Clinton agenda? Instead of taking a moment just to be like, wow, this is terrible what happened. And it's, it's be, to me, it's not just what happened yeah it's what apparently may be happening right now right who the hell has that kind of power how far off the scale i mean yeah i've never been a guy who's doubted our fbi i mean current sure. fbi um you know j edgar hoover <laughs> that guy it's, 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 in a league yeah, of his own <laughs> yeah that, that's a different story <laughs> yeah. but in in our general in my general lifetime, sure. I've believed generally the cops and the FBI, even though I know there are really bad cops, of course. you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure now. I have a friend, uh, uh, Patrick Byrne. He's the CEO of um, Overstock. Okay. Strong libertarian sure. kind of guy. He, do, he, he doesn't like Clinton. He doesn't like Trump. Great. Okay. Um, he has no horse in this race. But he found himself in the middle of the Trump FBI investigation and the Clinton FBI investigation. And he's just come out and said, uh, yeah, I have I have some information that this was all politics. All of this, both of these were just about politics and not about the truth. I know him. I've pieced together enough of the Trump thing that I know of. That, yeah. So it, it, he is in the center. I can't figure out the Clinton thing yet. Yeah. He's not saying. But I think anytime there are just women involved, people were like, ah, Bill was there. Right. Yeah, no, but it was, it was, this is, if this is true, he says it's the biggest scandal in American history because it's, it's about the Justice yeah. Department. 
I, I, is this who we are? Are we going to allow, uh, can we come together enough to go, wait, I don't care who goes down. Yeah. That has to be cleaned up because if the Justice Department goes bad, we're all screwed. This is too much. I mean, and it was a problem. I mean, forget, let's say Clinton and Trump didn't even know this guy. When you look at how he was treated in the court systems in Florida, I think, yeah. where, I mean, they acted like he just got a jaywalking. Oh, so ticket. here's one of he the. He could like leave jail yeah. to like do like work. work. And th- so the system failed far before this like oh, yeah. hanging. Oh, yeah. Like, it was already. They were just like young foreign girls. Right. Didn't care about them. And this is a powerful dude who's well connected and tied to, you know, who every... gets that kind of a jail sentence. Okay. Nobody. No. Nobody. And the, the Russian said in the first interview, yeah. police, police know all about it. They would call. I was supposed to bring him back at night, uh, but they would call night before and say, uh, we're only going to check on you at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Wow. And so I would drive him back at 6 a.m. Wow. I mean, he was talking about how the cops co- were coordinating with him. That's like the dad who has a kid and like after the divorce is trying to like make up for it and just be like, yeah, you can like drink when I go to bed and like <laughs> yeah, here's right. when I'm going to sleep. Right. That's, that's insane. Um, and again, just to bring it back to social media, to bring it back to Twitter. I mean, I'm glad that this is so, so horrific that people are like not going to stand but for it you know stand by it and are going to force the mainstream media to cover it i think um but i also think a lot of it's for the wrong reasons they just want their guy to go down you're an alcoholic uh yeah 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 yeah. so uh, uh, i think i'm like probably yes (laughs) here's the here's the thing if you're questioning it yeah yeah, yeah. probably pretty good yeah i should probably stay away from it i'm gonna go stick with water i think starting in around 2003 um, you know what? Alcoholics are going to save the world. It's right. going to be alcoholics that great. save the world because we know where our bottom is. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I hit the bottom and I'm like, okay, I don't, right, I don't want right. to go there. Yeah. And you know, if you're going to build it back up and you're going to not be as miserable as you were, you better build it on truth. Mm-hmm. I hit my bottom on this culture uh, a while ago yeah. and everything that's happening you have yes <laughs> Where, where's america's bottom because they're scaring me <laughs> it I, might be death i would say like the child rapist being pretend suicided in a jail cell could be like could be part could of it be, could be part um, of it i love that. That, that scare you though you know rudyard kipling wrote he wrote this great poem about the gods of the copybook headings which is uh, an old-timey way of saying there are certain truths yeah. you know water will wet fire will burn and this poem is all about how societies forget those things and deny that they're not true because yeah. they want the, the beautiful things the marketplace promises. And the end is um, there are only four things that are true since social progress began, that the sow returns to her uh, mire and the dog returns to his vomit. Um, uh, and it's I can't remember the joining line, but it, it is... Um, after, after we pass through the time when uh, no man has to pay for his sins yeah. and we deny everything, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. Meaning, 
you'll go so far that it will it will be horrific things that wake people back up. Yeah. Is this horrific enough? (laughs) I mean, I think it is. I think the problem is one of the problems is. Again, social media kind of treats it like it's a video game. So it's really easy to remove yourself from what's actually happening, right? So I know we're gonna talk about this later, but if I was attacking you or attacking someone on Twitter, I didn't see you as like a person. I saw you as a Twitter icon and a Twitter bio, right? And I think a lot of times people do it as a defense mechanism where things can get so bad that they do treat it like a video game or they try to make it about them or they gossip about it or for me, like I make jokes about it. Um, I think that people are hitting their rock bottoms kind of individually. I think that liberals who saw that maybe trying to cancel people who misspoke or mistweeted may have led to depersoning. Yep. um, May have led to Donald Trump, maybe part of it. I think that a lot of Republicans are seeing how far extreme uh, factions on the right have gone and they're kind of walking things back. And I think that I hope that conversations like this and that people trying to reach out to both sides are kind of the the AA meetings the yeah. uh, where we're trying to bring all of those kind of disenfranchised right and left uh, in together because the majority of people you go online and you're like we're all gonna die you walk outside and it's just like birds chirping people walking their dogs and you're you're kind of like maybe we're okay you know when I have a conversation with a conservative um, in real life it's great yeah. Um Three years ago, I would have assumed we would be getting into a fist fight. I mean, I think I literally challenged Jonah Goldberg. That Jonah? Yeah, Jonah to a, to a fight. And like Huffington Post covered it. It was on like the front page of Huffington Post. It was like me with all my dumb tattoos. I think you would have won. Yeah, well, yeah, I would have won. Yeah. Um, but I tried, to be, I tried to be like, he has size on me. It's fine. But like, that's where I was. Yeah. And, you know, did I really want to fight the guy or did I think it would get clicks? Like, I thought it would get clicks. Yeah. You know, I didn't think he was going to fight. I think we see each other. I used to say we see each other's cartoons, but I think... Um, you're right. It, we see each other as avatars. We're not people anymore. Mm-mm. We're just this little icon. Yep. That's and you, and, and you have your team right next to you, you know, if you're L or if you're R and then the other team knows, well, they're the bad guy. They're the ones to attack. And maybe I've just been friends with conservatives for a little while. So I still have like the, I'm in like the rose colored glasses phase. But right now I have had a lot more, I mean, even my podcast, even the Patreon I've had conservatives write in and be like, here's money. I don't agree with you, but don't change for me. And I've had liberals cancel because I'm like, was Clinton hanging out with, you know, child rape island Mm -hmm. guy? And maybe that's just because those were the kind of liberals who liked me. And, you know, I don't I don't because I I really I I, I want you to come back at some point. I just I just want to go through the Bill of Rights with you because I bet you I bet you you would agree with at least nine out of the ten. Sure. Um. So what are we, right, so what are we arguing about? What is it we're arguing about? Because I think real conservatives, progressive is a early 20th century idea that was going to take us without the revolution of 1918 to this utopian socialist kind of world. That Woodrow Wilson hated the Declaration of Independence and said the Constitution is irrelevant and doesn't work either. I don't think 
the liberals that I know, they don't believe that. They believe in the Bill of Rights. Yes. But neither party is actually standing up for the Bill of Rights. And because of that, we're violating all kinds of stuff. Yes. And that's why it's not working. I think so much of it has to do with conversation. With one, not talking to people who disagree with us, but two, in the way we talk about it. Yeah. Because we are in a soundbite culture with the news, we see it with the Democratic debates, right? Um, a bunch of people on the left got mad that Bernie Sanders was on Joe Rogan's. It was phenomenal mm -hmm. because it was a candidate having time to... Uh, talk about his views without just screaming and yelling in a 30 second mm -hmm. soundbite. I mean, you've done cable news. I've done cable news. Mm -hmm. You do not have a lot of time to talk. And they, and if you get a question that you don't want to talk about, they tell you how to pivot it. You know, like that's what politicians do. Like, well, we could talk about my Island girl scandal, but what the people want to talk about is taxes. <laughs> right. And then they'll, you know, whatever they'll go right. into their BS spiel. Um, so it's the way we talk about things. I think that for me being liberal, I, I want people to have, let's raise it this way. When I list the things that I am for, every conservative watching is probably going to be like, who wouldn't be for that, right? So like, I want people to have healthcare. I don't want people to die because they get sick. I want people to have access to food, to education. Um, I think teachers should make a living wage. Um, pretty simple things. I don't think we should attack countries unless we are in danger. When those troops come back, however, even if I disagreed with the war, I think they should be taken care of. I think we need to focus on mental health in this country. Um, you know, pretty generic just like decent person things what i'm what i'm realizing in the conversation that doesn't happen is that a lot of i assumed that no conservatives wanted that so for example I, it's insane so if you were against universal health care my thought is you want people to die because i was told universal health care is the way and so i was like well i guess you just want kids to die after talking to conservatives, you learn it's like, no, they don't trust the government because the government screws a lot of things up. So not they don't want that, the government being in charge of their health care. Not only that, when the government is the cop yeah. and the robber. Yeah. Okay. Right. Who do you call? Yeah. When when it's when I have a private institution and they're screwing people over, I know I can call the government and the press. But if the government, the press uh, and the police are all that are running everything. Yeah. There's no one to run to. Well, so that's the problem, though, is that a lot of these private corporations haven't been held accountable. I know. You know, like but we, that's not capitalism or constitutionalism. And this is what, I, this is what yes. I'm talking about. So if we realize that we have the same goals, then we should be able to call out the the left should be able to call out the government and the right should be able to call these private corporate corporations yes. because both have taken advantage of regular people. Correct. Right. The health insurance companies. When, when your only goal is profit for shareholders, you're not going to get the best treatment. But when you're just leaving it up to the government and it's all covered in bureaucracy, you're also not going to get the best treatment. So why can't the right and the left come together and be like, both of these people do not have our best interests. What can we do? How can we take the best from this and the best from that? What will bring you back to this? Will you come back and invite? Yeah, an invite, and I'm there. You're invited to come back. Yeah, I really anytime. enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you for this. Thank you. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.